0: Uh, And those are folks who've been to Ecuador with us before. If you had traveled with us to Ecuador, you had met a guy by the name of Mauricio. If you love Mauricio, say amen. amen. See, that folks love Mauricio. He's been a bus driver and a team member with us for about five or six years now. And this guy loves Jesus and has served so faithfully with us. Well, we got a distress email from Mauricio a little over a week ago His wife had to have some very serious surgery, and uh, that surgery had to take place quickly. Uh, She had to have a a, a radical hysterectomy because of um, the indication of cancer uh, in her uterus. It was very serious and a very serious surgery. And then afterwards, she contracted a staph infection and ended up hospitalized uh, for that And in Ecuador, it's a little different than it is here. In Ecuador, you have to pay to get your folks out of the hospital. It's kind of weird. You ever have to do that? You have to pay to get them out. And so the bill was $15,000. Now, I don't know where you're from, but $15,000, where I'm from, is a lot of money. But in Ecuador, it's like tenfold what it is to us. And so Mauricio had to borrow from someone a very short-term loan with his bus on the line. If he couldn't pay that back, he had to sell his bus, which would take away his ability to provide for his family that he's been doing for all of these years as he's ministered to us and to others. So I just dropped a line out to our folks by email. And the folks who have traveled to Ecuador with Kingsville Baptist Church, over a period of six days, gave $12,000 to Mauricio. So that was running in the background of the $8,000 that we as a church gave. Now that reflects a kind of generosity that only God could cause. Only God could cause. And I thank God for that. And in cooperation with another church who's ministered to Mauricio, the medical bills are completely paid. That is awesome. And we praise the Lord for that. And so when I talk about your generosity, you think, uh, you know, that's just kind of preacher talk, right? You know, he's got to get up there and kind of be nice to us because if he kind of bangs on us real hard about our giving, you know, we just might get discouraged. You're awesome. And God is at work in you. And I'm so thankful. So we're doing life together. Let's catch up to where we are with a short review. As you're doing that, let me remind you that there was a slip probably inside your bulletin today. If not, we're going to hand one out to you at the end. And that slip is to vote on the budget. We had our discussion a few weeks ago. Good, thorough, robust discussion. I guess I could say that. Um. And uh, today, at the end of the service, we'll just be filling those slips out and turning them in. The discussion's already done, and we'll be voting at the end of the service. You say, well, I'm behind the curve, there's a copy of that out there in the lobby. If you want to slip out there in a minute and grab one, I won't even notice that you moved because I really don't know what's going on out there when I'm preaching anyway. So uh, let's uh, look in the Lord's Word together. Oh, one more thing. If you want a copy of the CDs, the team gave us for free the CDs. If you want a copy of the CDs, send us an email to the office. Send me an email and we'll give you a copy of the CDs from last week. I think we're just going to charge a buck a CD. That's five CDs. And then the women's conference makes six. That'd be six bucks. And uh, that'll just pay for the process of getting that for you. So if you want that, just make a note for us and we'll try to get those done within a week. Uh, If we have a lot of requests, it may take us a little bit more than that. Uh, Those are great messages. By the way, I think about the About the best message on grace I've ever heard Wednesday night. Great takeaway. God will hurt you, but God will never harm you. That was greatly encouraging. i got to spend some good time with Greg. It was a wonderful time. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's catch up. Lynn, walk us through. The church was brought together by Jesus. He called them by name. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So becoming part of the church is a personal call by Jesus through the Holy Spirit who, number two, births us. We're born together into the church. You must be born again. You must be filled with the Spirit of God through the act of regeneration. That is when God births you into his family It is a birth and an adoption at the same time. God is bringing you in. And then we also talked about how the church was bound together by their continual devotion. The book of Acts tells how they bound themselves to each other in prayer and in fellowship, in the teaching of the apostles and in the breaking of bread together. Well, we talked about the responsibility of the church. When Jesus called the church... He gave us a responsibility first to define the gospel and we had to keep it from two errors. The error of legalism and the error of licentiousness and we had to protect the gospel and keep it clear and pure. And so thankfully the Lord passed his word down and guarded it inherently through to us that we may have the gospel before us and clarify the gospel among us and then we talked about that god immersed us in a culture there's a reason every church is in the location that it's at every christian's in the location that he or she is at there's a reason for that because god has called you to go into your culture staying away from being under adapted where the only thing you ever do is complain or challenge or condemn the culture. And keeping away from the mistake of being over-adapted by only applauding and embracing the culture. There's this fine balance between what we can applaud of the culture that we live in and what we can embrace, what we can uh, condemn, and what we can preach against. And we have to walk this fine balance in there. And every culture has its own unique setting. And then we found out that God has placed a movement called the church to bring the gospel to the culture. The church is the movement that brings the gospel to the culture. God gives you the gospel and then through you sends the gospel from him into the culture you live in. Your home, your neighborhood, your family, your workplace, your sporting events, your the kind of things that you do in your free time. God is immersing you in a culture that you are to bring the gospel to and you are the movement and you have to be careful in that movement. One danger is too much structure and tradition where we become too inwardly focused and only wanting to, to keep the structures and not thinking about those structures having meaning tied to the gospel. The other side is being too fluid and having no structure and too outward focused, and there's a fine balance in being the church. And then we went further to realize that Jesus gave us one specific job when he sent the disciples out. He said, You're witnesses. You shall be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And then we saw sort of an illustration that the gospel is brought to the culture through a movement, and that movement is witnesses. So here's your job. Your job, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, is to be aware that Jesus brought you into this fold, that the Holy Spirit birthed you into this fold, that you have a responsibility to bind yourself to this fold through the cooperative work of the family of God, and that God has sent this fold as individuals and as a corporate, a church body, He sent us to be witnesses to bring the gospel to the lost culture. That's our job. It's our foremost job. It's the one job that all the other jobs are tied to, bring the gospel to the culture. Bring the good news to the people. And so today, I want to turn a new page in our understanding of church, and I want to spend two weeks on it, and I'm dividing those two weeks into two specific points of focus. The first week is the focus of identity. What I want you to do this week when we leave today is to be able to say, I understand my identity. I got that, because next week we're going to talk about our activity, and if you don't understand your identity, your activity will get messed up. It'll get it'll get warped. It'll come out of the wrong motives. It'll get twisted in how it's carried out. So we're going to start today, and we want to resolve. We want to settle. We want to embrace what is our identity. So first, we're going to find out that our identity is found in our adoption. Now this is a. Beautiful word. I'm going to give you a book I would love for you to read. The book is by Russell Moore. How many of you have heard of Russell Moore? Okay, so he's not unknown. He's the head of the uh, Christian uh, uh, Ethics and Religious Liberty uh, Division of the Southern Baptist Convention. He's a brilliant and godly man. But he wrote a great, great book called Adopted for Life. Will you write that down? It's on Kindle fairly inexpensive. And if you'll watch those specials, sometimes they'll kick this book down to 99 cents. And it is a wonderful book to read first about what our adoption is in Christ. And second, about the church's responsibility to orphans. And it is fantastic. My heart has really been stirred in the book, but he opens the book with an illustration that I want to close at the end of the service today, but I want to open with the first part of the illustration. It he tells the story of adopting two little boys from russia stacy i know that's close to your heart it's the story of adopting two little boys from russia and and it's very vivid uh, as he describes the process and the meeting and the, the the circumstances you can see the sights and smell the smells and you're just going wow this is overwhelming but he tells a particular part of the story early in the book that I want to tell you and then finish it at the end of our message today. The two boys were born three months apart. And those two boys occupied a place in the same very, very broken and disgusting orphanage. And he tells the story of having... Pictures of these two boys and having worked through the paperwork that allows you to adopt paperwork that was there in Russia and work before the judge and all of the things that have to go on there for adoption to take part. And he tells a story, a heartbreaking story. And Stacy and her sweet husband Dan lived through this where you get there and everything's approved, but then you have to go back home. You remember that, Stacy? You have to go back home and you have to wait. And during that time, you know, you've got pictures and you've got papers, but you don't have the child with you or children with you yet. And so Russell Moore tells about the flight back home and interaction that he's having with people. And he's got these two little pictures and he's a... He's proud of what's going on and so he's showing these pictures and he said this one question kept coming to him that everybody kept asking him. And and at first it bothered him a little but by the time it was asked over and over it just began to infuriate him and it was a question any of us might ask. As he showed the two pictures of these two boys born 3 months apart, everybody kept saying the same thing. Are they brothers? Are they brothers? Are they brothers? Are they brothers? He remembers having one conversation with one particular lady who asked like five times, and he talks about it, that he was just about to be filled with rage because she kept asking the same question. Are they brothers? Are they brothers? I'm going to tell you how all of it worked out in just a minute. But I want to take you to this idea called adoption. The idea of adoption is a New Testament term that takes over from an Old Testament concept. That New Testament term is a term where someone chooses to bring someone into their family and gives them all of the rights and the privileges of a parent child relationship and a sibling relationship. It is legal and it is actual. It is both. A legal paper and an actual experience. And so I want to read through three scriptures with you. I want you to read them together with me. That was something that Greg did that I'm going to copy. So when I do that today and you say he's copying Greg, I'm going to tell you. What am I doing? Copying Greg. Okay, here we go. Here's the first one. Let's read this together. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of His will. Baptists always get a little uncomfortable when the P word gets dropped, especially in church. Now, what this word means is long before you chose Him, He chose you. Just as Russell chose those two boys, just as Dan and Stacy chose Nadesda, long before there could be a response, there was a choice. The Bible says it this way, We love because He first loved us. If you're trying to work out predestination in your mind, that's a great verse to work it out with. I don't understand it. I can't explain it. But what I do know is we love Him because He first loved us. And so God, according to the kind intention of His will, chose to adopt us as sons and daughters of the living God. Next text, let's read together. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. This is a sweet verse because this verse focuses on the intimacy of the relationship. Wherein it's more than a legal paper, it is a spiritual and emotional experience. I, I'm going to pick on Stacy a little today and she's going to really get me later, but you know what's sweet is to hear Nadezda say, Mommy, that's sweet. That is more than a legal document, isn't it? It's more than a piece of paper signed by a judge. It's more than something that was just a courtroom setting and a declaration. It is a personal experience. And the personal experience, we're going to talk about these these kind of indicators of, of our adoption in just a moment. One more. Let's read it. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth His Son... Born of a woman, born under the law, in order that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Well, let me share with you three indicators of adoption. First, leadership. Come with me to Romans 8. Romans 8 is beautiful. Steve read this text. Leadership. If you ever wanted to invest deeply in Scripture memory, you would learn as much theology that you could apply from the text of Romans 8 than any other compact place in Scripture. If you memorized all of Romans 8, many of the great doctrines of the faith, you would be able to pull up instantaneously from memory. And one of those great doctrines is the doctrine of adoption. It's right here. Pick up with me. Come down. To verse 14 of Romans 8. Steve read this. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The first indicator of adoption I want to share with you is who's leading you. What's leading you? What's driving you? Remember I said that Jesus brought us together by calling us. But the Spirit birthed us together. We were born together. That means that the Holy Spirit of God inhabits us. And because the Holy Spirit of God is in us, He is leading us. And so if you want to know, am I a child of the living God? Well, this indicator is that you are being led by the Spirit of God. That's what the Apostle Paul says. All who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So how do you mark them out? Indicator, number one, leadership. That which is leading us along the path of our life is indicating who we belong to, to whom we belong. It's indicating. The man or the woman, the boy or the girl, who's not being led by the Spirit of God, that is an indicator of the absence of the adoptive relationship. But the evidence of the presence of that relationship is that the Holy Spirit of God abides in you inhabits you, and leads you along the way to follow Jesus. Remember, I put those two together. Jesus calls us, but the Spirit births us. The power to follow Jesus comes from the power of the Holy Spirit living in us and bringing us this wonderful relationship of adoption. Second, love. This one's tough. I want you to go to John 8 with me. John 8 is one of those statements that when you read it, when I read it, when we read it,
1: we go, whoa.
0: Jesus is going to inform us about our parentage. And he's going to inform us that there are only two spiritual parents. And that everyone is the son or the daughter of one of these two parents. Jesus tells us in John chapter 8, verse 40. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. Now, stop there. When we talk about adoption, we're talking about a family transfer where one parent's rights are terminated and another parent's rights are instituted. Jesus looks at the Pharisees, most religious people on earth at the time, as devoted to their religion as anyone willing to give their lives and to kill for it here. In their devotion, they're doing some deeds. And Jesus said, you're simply doing the deeds of your father. And they bow up and they say, what do they say to him in verse 41? They said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Verse 42, here's the second indicator. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. If you want to know if you have been adopted, you will love Jesus. That's how you know. Not like Jesus. Not think highly of Jesus. Not think fondly of Jesus. You will love Him. Jesus said, If God is your Father, you will love Jesus. This is an indicator that Jesus gives. But look at the warning. He said, you are doing the deeds of your father. Well, Who is their father? Look in verse 44. You are of your father, the devil. Don't you know that made some people mad that day? I mean, they had just boldly proclaimed Father Abraham and Father God. And Jesus said, oh, no, Father devil. You know they were mad. In fact, they turned the heat up on the killing at this point. Just proving exactly what he was saying. He said, You want to know how I know you're not from God? And that your deeds are not born of God the Father? Because you're trying to kill me. Because your father's the devil. So what they say? Let's kill him. They were just proving their parentage. And so what we have here is that The first indicator of an adoptive relationship between you and God is somebody's leading you. And that's the Spirit of God. Second, your love. If you're here today and you're not being led by the Spirit and you don't truly love Jesus, I would throw a red flag on your life. And I would say, hey, step back and let's assess. But there's one more indicator, and that's longing. What's that mean? Um, When I was about five, six, my grandmother lived in downtown Atlanta in what's called Techwood Homes. Anybody ever heard of Techwood Homes? It's where the Atlanta child murders took place, giving you an idea of what Techwood Homes was like. It was a tough place right down beside Georgia Tech. They're all demolished now, but it was one of the early Atlanta projects. And my grandmother lived there, lived on the second floor of Techwood Homes, and she was a sweetheart. We called her nanny. How many of you use the nanny term? I got some other, yeah. All right. I would say nanny when I was a kid. People look at me funny, but that was what we called her. And uh, we loved going to her house best fried chicken on earth. All right. Best. She made a thing. She called it egg pie. It was a custard. She made the best food in the world. So we loved going down. And so my brothers and my sister had all taken turns spending the night with my, uh, my grandmother down in Techwood Homes and enjoying all of her food and all the goodies that she lavished on them while they were staying. Because grandparents do that. You know, this was before you had an iPhone to show a picture of your grandkids. How many of you got an iPhone that you've shown a picture of your grandkids? Y'all got that? See, it's becoming real popular. All right. Well, back then they just gave us pies. All right. That was the way that it worked. And so nanny just made pies and cakes and all kinds. And so my parents were going to let me stay for the first time overnight. I wasn't real good at that because I'd never done it before. I'd never stayed away from home and I was the youngest child. And so, you know, how the young one is spoiled. Y'all know that deal. Well, I was spoiled. And so uh, my mom and dad start to leave and, uh, Man, they get about uh, two flights of stairs down. And man, it's thundercloud. You know, I'm standing there. Why? There was some kind of longing in my heart to be with them. There was something about my connection with them that made me cry out, Daddy! Mommy! Now, you say, you're just a baby. Well, I was. But had that connection not been there, I'd have never cried out. Look in Romans 8. And see what's happening? Right after the passage we just read, there's this beautiful picture of a moment when something comes on us. When something troubles us. When something scares us. When something overwhelms us. That a gut reaction comes out. Nobody had to come to me in that moment and say, Now Bart, I want you to understand that you have a relationship with your mama and daddy. And when they part from you, you ought to miss them. Because that's kind of a natural thing to happen. And you ought to express that missing of them in some way. Nobody had to do that. It was a visceral response. Paul uses the language of visceral response in Romans 8, where he says in verse 14, For all those who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Now the Abba was the Hebrew daddy term. It was the term of endearment, the term of affection, the term of intimacy. It was what little babies called their daddies. Abba. And so he's saying that when you are marked as an adoptee, that you will have a visceral response because you have an emotional, spiritual, literal connection with God. He is your dad in such a way that when the Spirit of God is leading you, when the love of Christ is filling you, here's what's going to happen. When distress comes, you will viscerally call out, Oh, Dad, Oh, God, Oh, help me, Oh, please. There will be within you a response that marks you with the longing for His help, His presence, His kindness, His grace. His forgiveness, his intimacy—it will be there. It's one of the markers is when trouble comes. Where do you turn? That's why I said I love to hear Nadesta's voice when she says, "Mommy," because she has a visceral response of a relationship, parent to child. And so gloriously, these indicators mark us as the true sons and daughters of the living God. And they are precious because they, they, they note a real relationship that God really has let you into His family. He really has marked you as his son. He's marked you as his daughter from before the foundation of the earth into all of eternity. He is securing you in a loving relationship because he first loved us, we love him. There is this glorious relationship. Next, our identity is found in our brotherhood. This one's quite interesting to me, and I only have a few minutes to develop it today. A little bit of a will flow into next week. There is a passage in Hebrews that is shocking to me. If you'll go to Hebrews chapter 2 for just a moment and join me in a text that I think is helpful for us in understanding this thing called brotherhood. You see, if I really am adopted, into the family of God, it makes a connection with me to someone else. The first connection is that I become a brother to Jesus Christ. Read with me Hebrews 2. A little bit of stuff around it, so let's pick up in verse 9. But we do see Him who has been made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus Because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, that's the adopted children, to perfect the author of their salvation through suffering. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Did you know that? When Jesus looks at you, ladies, he says, my sister. Not in some religious way. I'm in the restaurant sometimes and I run into some folks and especially the the Pentecostals use this term much more than Baptists do today. We'll still hear it every now and then, but they'll refer to somebody as sister so-and-so. It's kind of a religious term. Sometimes when I'm in a church gathering and I hear somebody call me brother, I kind of think, I'm not sure if you really are using it in the way that's very affectionate right now. We've turned it in kind of a title We see it in the Catholic Church, brother so-and-so. And it's like a title. This is not titles. This is family. Jesus says, my sister. Jesus says, my brother. And he is your family. And he's not ashamed to call you that. My brothers and I have had opportunity to be ashamed of each other. My real family brothers we were all pretty wild. I'm not sure when I was being punted from college that either of my brothers wanted to lay claim to me. I think they were a little embarrassed. Here's Jesus, and he is not ashamed to call. In fact, it writes the verse out. Verse twelve, I will proclaim thy name to my brethren. And in verse thirteen, Behold I and the children whom God has given me. There's this beautiful picture. Of Jesus as your brother. Your big brother. One day we were crossing the street at my house. And there were a lot of older kids, teenagers. And I was the youngest of the bunch. And everybody uh, was going to cross the street. And and my, my brother said, okay, let's go. Well, I was just kind of lagging around. And I went very late. And when I went, at the end of this whole line of people crossing the street, a car was bearing down on me. And my big brother David reached down and grabbed me and pulled me out of the way of the vehicle like a good big brother would do to a little brother. You have a big brother. And I don't know how many times he has swooped down and pulled you out from in front of something. And he's not ashamed to it. In fact, he occupies himself with that, interceding for you every minute of every day. That's what your big brother's doing. Your big brother's Jesus. And so you enjoy the fellowship of his big brotherness. In fact, in verse 14, he wanted that brotherness to take on its reality. Verse 14, since then, the children share in flesh and blood. Jesus himself. Likewise, also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. And might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. What's he saying? Jesus terminated your former parents' rights. In order for adoption to take place, your former parents' rights have to be terminated. Nobody can just willy nilly adopt. And when Jesus was on the cross for your sake, he terminated the rights of your former parent. So that you would not be like the Pharisees serving your father, the devil, but that you would be serving your father, God. At the cross, he fulfilled the requirements to terminate the parental rights. Of the one that Adam gave us over to. And by terminating those rights, He gave you the right to be called the sons of God. John chapter 1. What does it say in John chapter 1? About Jesus. He gave them the right to be called the children of God. Even those who believe on His name. And so this brotherhood that you enjoy was won by this brother who has brought you into the family by terminating your former parents' rights and giving you the right to become the children of God. I could camp on that all day, but i got to stop. Here's the final point. Our inheritance. We're going to talk next week a little bit about how this works out, but this world is not your inheritance. The Bible says... Come, come, come back to Romans 8 with me. There's so much adoption material there. Okay. Look in verse 15 again of Romans 8. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received the spirit of adoption by which, through which we cry the Father, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him in order that we may be also be glorified with Him. Here's our struggle. If we do not understand our inheritance, we will get messed up with trying to hold on to the stuff of this world. only when you understand that as the adopted sons and daughters of Jesus of God through Jesus Christ and co-heirs with Jesus will you realize that you're going to inherit the universe the new one you're going to be fellow heirs with Jesus whatever Jesus owns he'll be sharing with you you'll be inheriting the universe all that God owns God our father he's going to pass on to us this inheritance this glorious And so our identity is found also in our inheritance, which means it keeps us from being identified by the things we possess in this life. Our cars, our homes, our clothes, our standing, and all of the junk that goes with all that stuff. It attaches our identity to our Father, to our brother, to one another, all in heaven for all of eternity, inheriting imperishable things. So back to Russell Moore's story. The lady keeps pressing him.
2: Are they brothers?
0: These two kids born three months apart, are they brothers? Are they bro-? About five or six times and then Russell's boiling. And finally, here's the answer. Yes, because I'm their father. Your brotherhood has nothing to do with where you've come from. It has nothing to do with your origin. It has nothing to do with your ethnicity. It has nothing to do with your upbringing. Your brotherhood, your sisterhood, your familyness, is because of one thing. God is your Father. Faith in Jesus Christ. So look around. Are we brothers? I can stand by Bill Mountain. We don't look much alike. Somebody said, Are they brothers? A little age gap. Not much, Bill, but a little age gap. Are they brothers? That's impossible. They can't be brothers. Oh, we can. Because God's our Father. So everyone who has and brought into the flock by Jesus, born into the flock by the Holy Spirit, and is evidencing it through being bound to the flock by the things of God. We're family. We're family. you know what that means? My brother and I were in the bathroom together one day. Taking turns at the potty. We were probably, Mark was about uh, 11, I was about 7. And we got into a fight about who was going to go first. And so, in wrestling over who was going to go first, we started pushing each other, and we ended up being pushed into the tub, the shower tub, and the, the curtain that's up there got pulled down, and this big ruckus happened. And so like we're falling over and we're in the tub and we've been wrestling. We're trying to get up and my dad pops in the door. Yeah, it was not good. Now, literally, I had to. Both of us had to lean over the tub just like this. My brothers and sisters, we treat each other just like that. We're pushing around seeing who wants to be first. Seeing who wants to get their way, their preference. We fight among each other just like me and my brother Mark did. I'm afraid God's going to bust up in here and whoop us like we deserve. The Bible says whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. And He chastens every son whom He receives. Daughters too. And so I think we need to refresh ourselves really sweetly this morning that we are brothers and sisters. Jesus is our big brother. God is our Father. And then we ought to act that way. So when we sing, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God, that includes that we are called to love one another. And so this morning, I want a specific thing from you. I want you to be able to leave here knowing that you are not at odds with anybody in our flock. And I want you to settle that before you go out the door doesn't mean you have to get all of it resolved here, but you do need to get it resolved with God today. Because here's what I fear. One is I fear division. Satan always tries to follow great spiritual moments with division. Second, I fear that it may be an indication that you're not actually in the family. You're just hanging out with us. And that the real need may be that you need to be saved. And that that's the real issue. And so this morning, I want to invite you to come to Jesus. And I want you to be in our family. And if you're visiting today and it's your first time, I want you to be in our family. I want you to have your sins forgiven. I want you to have God as your Father. I want you to know that the parental rights of Satan have been banished by the cross And if you would place your faith in Jesus Christ today, you would be the son or the daughter of the living God, sins forgiven, because Jesus, through the cross, removed all claims that Satan had on you. So you can be saved. You can be forgiven. Would you bow with me? Father, as we come to this time of invitation, I pray that you would grant us the grace to love one another and be brothers and sisters. And that we would not fight over who would be first and what preferences are. Because we know that you may show up and, and, and give us what we really need. And, and I pray that you would instead grant us repentance to resolve before discipline is necessary. Help us, I pray. Draw to yourself, men and women and boys and girls, that they may come to the family of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? As God leads you, would you come? For just a moment, what we're going to do, after I make a couple of announcements, Chuck's going to call us into business. Uh, Go ahead, if you don't have one of these, raise your hand. It's just a little slip that you'll vote. It's for members only. You'll vote for the budget or not for the budget. And so then once you mark your uh, preference, fold it in half, and then uh, you can pass it to the center. Chuck's going to call us into business. We'll do that. And then uh, I'm going to make a couple of announcements before then. First off, uh, if you are registering or know someone who's registering for Upward Soccer, the registration fee goes up $10 tomorrow. Uh, This is the last day of what they call the early bird discount. And so it's $10 less if you will go ahead and register today. You can do that by going online to www.kingsvillebaptist.org. Uh, You can see that on the back of your bulletin on our web addresses, our email addresses, that kingswillbaptist.org, if you don't know how to spell that or need clarification on it, just put www in that place in front of it. And you will be able to go there and register and save $10 off of the registration fee. Now, tonight we are having our small groups, but I did have a suggestion for those of you who are kind of nutso about football You don't have to admit that right now. You can just do this later. If your group wants to meet together in somebody's home tonight, watch the Super Bowl together and call that small group, here's the deal. At halftime, you do your study and you don't watch Beyonce. Fair enough? Fair enough. Because I can't encourage you to do that. Okay, I just can't. And so if you want to watch the game... And make it small group. Go ahead and do that. Drop us an email or let us know. And know this. We're not watching your kids that whole time. Right, Wendy? We're not watching your kids that whole time, okay? We still got the same slot from 5 to 6.30 for our children to be involved in what they're doing. And so uh, don't go to the Super Bowl and leave your kids with us and then go, th- Oh, I forgot. I need- we'll, we'll have them somewhere. I, what we'll do is give them uh, about three cappuccinos and a puppy and give them back to you okay make you have a great night tonight okay so we're gonna vote and then at the conclusion chuck will pray and we'll be dismissed get your little slip out chuck lead us
1: all right i want to call us to our special call members meeting motion second okay uh no discussion we had that two weeks ago um So the vote is a yes-no vote. If you'll take your slip of paper, once again, if you're a visitor, we appreciate you coming. You can ignore me. Uh, If you're a member, please take your sheet of paper, check yes or no, fold it over, and pass it to the inside. And we will have some guys picking it up. We're going to make it a record speed business meeting. So I'm not going to make you stay here very long. We do appreciate everybody's input. All right. And I need another call. Make a motion we close business meeting. Any seconds? All right. Several seconds there. Let me pray for us and we will be off. Thank you, Lord, for this day you've given us. We we thank you that you did adopt us, that we are your children, and that that we can wait on your inheritance, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that we wouldn't we wouldn't fight over being brothers and sisters as boards you know, made us recognize earlier, but we would embrace our brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray for us as we go out this week that we would face that challenge and and just love on each other. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.